Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Lynx and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be joined this week by Spencer Aguiar. You can find him on Twitter at T-Off Sports. Spencer, it's a great week to be a gambler who listens to this pod because you and I both had Taylor Moore outright last week at the Valspar Championship. He had an incredible back nine where he looked like a stone cold killer. Didn't miss a single putt inside of seven feet. The whole tournament, I think it was 64 for 64. Nailed a couple of clutch five and a half footers on the last two holes. And he wins the tournament at 10 under par, dodging bullets from Adam Shank and Jordan Spieth. We'll touch on that at the end of our podcast after we get to you more of the actionable stuff this week from the World Golf Championships Dell Technologies match play. It's a really different tournament, obviously the only match play tournament on the PGA Tour. And this is the last year that they're going to be doing a match play event for the foreseeable future as the Tour and Austin Country Club were not able to come to an agreement for next year. Spencer, do you have a best bet for this week at the match play? I mean, I don't have a best bet as we're talking right now, but I'm going to answer that a little bit differently, I guess. So Mm -hmm. the one thing I'll say is from a betting perspective, it's probably one of those events where rollover betting matches will exceed the actual outright price you can grab in the space. You know, I'll explain that in a second, but I always tell people to bet on the golfer. They want to win the event for Wednesday's matchup. Then you take those winnings and you either roll it over on that player again in round two, or if the scoring gets weird within the group, you bet them to advance. So I do that with the four semifinalists that I end up moving through on my bracket when I run my numbers on it. And I will tell you this just because I think this is the most actionable information that I can present here. The four semifinalists that I have, and we can talk about this when we move into the groups, would be Sungjae Im, Max Homa, Cameron Young, and then the shocker for me would be Tom Hoagie, which okay. Hoagie has a lot of those same credentials that I found last year when I did the same strategy with Corey Connors. And we can talk a little bit about why I think that's possible. I mean, the core of that answer comes down to 14% of the, if you look at, like, if you break the brackets down from left to right here. So if you take the left side of the bracket and you take the right side of the bracket, the left side of the bracket is 14% more difficult then the right side of the bracket is here for me. So that's going to be your Scotty Scheffler all the way down to the Patrick Cantley at the bottom there. And I, I think that like, sure, you have a lot of players. You, you have Rom, you have Finau, you have Cameron Young. A lot of players on Rory McIlroy, you have a lot of players on that right side. But when one of those players or if one of those players doesn't advance, I think people are going to be shocked on what a circus it's going to become over there if we don't get that like, actual answer of what everybody expects to happen and i think that's where we can get unique with a guy like hoagie and there's other players there too that we can talk about 
And if one of these guys can take down one of those big name players in their group, that opens up the path, especially yeah. if you've got like a two seed, for example, or a one seed where you have to play an eighth and a four five, et cetera, et cetera. You know how brackets work. It's March. Uh, Spencer, Austin Country Club is the site of the tournament this week. How are you profiling Austin Country Club given the lack of data and the match play format? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, if we just look at it, there's 110 bunkers at the property, five water hazards. I, I do think players who can play strategic situational golf should be at an advantage. But with all of that being said, I don't know if this is a typical event where it makes sense to take the core of what a model is telling you. Since the answer is going to come down to how someone matches up against one another, I, I think one of the key differenti qual differentiating qualities I ran my model with this week is using a power ranking system for each golfer. So that's going to take, I ran nine core categories and it's going to compare each golfer against like, it's almost like, I guess the best way to put it, Roberto, is when you look at a March madness bracket for college basketball, it all comes down to matchups and styles. And, and that's why you get these wonky finishes in March madness. It's not that, you know, if you threw a random team that's making a run on the other side of the bracket, they might've lost first round. It's kind of the same thing that happens here with golf. So I'm trying to find where there are key advantages that I can pinpoint this week. And it kind of becomes that stylistic fit of how does everybody match up against each other? Because, you know, that's kind of one of my answers with Tom Hoagie. There is, there's two players or there's two groups on the right side of the bracket it would be the Xander side with Hoagie and it would be Rom's bracket with Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell, Ricky Fowler. Those are the only two that are within the top nine uh, in strength of quality. So I'm going to be running things like that. Obviously, if an upset happens, like you said, all of a sudden everything opens up there. So I guess let's talk about these brackets a little bit and we'll move into some of these players. Sure. Do you want to just go group by group and we can work through uh, what sure. you think? Sure. All right, so let's start with group one, defending champion and number one golfer in the world. Scotty Scheffler headlines the group. He's playing alongside Davis Riley, Tom Kim, and Alex Norin. What do you, any initial thoughts on this one? Scott I, Scotty Scheffler is the number one overall seed in this immediate four-player uh, bracket. Tom Kim is the two, Norin's the three, Riley is the four. I, I do have some thoughts here. So, I mean, there's no way you can run a model where Scotty Scheffler is not going to be the favorite to advance. Like, <laughs> You're doing something wrong if you're running a model that's saying opposite of that. But it doesn't mean that this group isn't closer than what the public perception is behind it. And one of the things that worries me a little bit about Scheffler comes down to his weighted putting from 5 to 15 feet. He is dead last in this group out of the four players from that range. When we added or when I added the expected approach into the mix, he only jumped up the third of this group. Like you're going to have the really high end statistics that you can find here. You're always going to have that with Scotty Scheffler, but this is much more difficult group than I think most people believe here. My numbers don't necessarily love Alex Noren, and I know he's had a lot of success at this tournament, but Noren is one of those prototypical like Kevin Kisner type players to where if he springs an upset against Scotty Scheffler, I'm not going to be shocked. And then I think it comes down to the Tom Kim Davis Riley thing to where if one of them can then also spring the upset against Scheffler, all of a sudden Scheffler's eliminated at that point. So hmm. um, I think the consensus would be obviously Scheffler. The second choice is going to be Tom Kim in a lot of people's eyes. I'm fine with the Tom Kim route, but I decided to go crazy with the start of this. <laughs> I love Davis Riley with his putting from 10 to 15 feet here. That is the one big separator that I had in my model from anyone in this group. And you kind of have three players here out. All right. I guess let's exclude Norin for a second, but you have three players here where 
the putter is probably a question mark for them. But if Davis Riley is the best putter from that 10 to 15 foot range, and you know, it's always the answer that we give about like when people want to say, well, Zalatoris should do well in this tournament because people are just going to give him the putts within five feet. Sure, there's some <laughs> level of that, but you also want to find these golfers that are going to be able to make the putts from 10 to 15 feet. And I, I kind of think there's going to be an upset sprung. Now, whether it's Tom Kim or Davis Riley, it's difficult. I'm gonna I went with Davis Riley here. I think he's an intriguing bet. And from a you know, a different perspective, you're playing things from like a DFS perspective he might be the leverage contrarian play of the group. So Spencer, as we've been discussing this, odds have actually dropped on bet 365 for, I believe, all 16 groups. So I'll read you the odds here for this group for a player okay. to win the group. Sky Scheffler is the favorite at minus 110, then Tom Kim in second at plus 333. In a tie for third, we have Alex Noren at plus 475 and also Davis Riley at plus 475. Would you consider punching a ticket at plus 475 or would you prefer to roll it over on Riley? Um, I mean, I'd be curious to see what his price is against Scotty Scheffler when they play each other, um, because he's going to have to win multiple matches to get through. On the three-way money line, so where a tie is a, a loss if you bet on one player to win, on the three-way money line, Davis Riley is plus 175 for Wednesday's matchup with Scotty Scheffler. I'm not a big three-way better. So, I mean, based off of that, I would probably be more inclined to bet Davis Riley at the plus 475 to win the group. Um, I just think it's it's a difficult thing because like the one thing with rollover betting that I also want to point out is at any point you can pull your bets out and you don't have to continue it. And that's why I like it better than a pure like quote unquote outright bet. You get stuck into these windows where you can't move in and out of a wager, where when you roll it over at any point, you could take some of the money off the table. You could take all the money off the table. You could take a little bit of the money off the table, or you can just keep going all in in these spots. So uh, I guess the one thing that I would be more inclined to say Riley to just win the group is I don't necessarily envision him going super far here. If he does get through it, like, like I said, it's a really difficult left side of the draw. No matter how you look at it, almost even if the second or third choice wins in most of these groups, he's going to hit a wall at some point with it. So I'll say the plus 475 is the best way to play it. All right. We'll keep moving through the bracket, actually, instead of going numerically one through 16. The winner of group one with Scotty Scheffler will play the winner of group 16. Group 16, the odds to win this group. Sung JM is the favorite at plus 190. Tommy Fleetwood has the second shortest odds at plus 200. He's followed by Maverick McNeely at plus 350 and JT Poston at plus 375. Any leans on this one? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes to what I was saying with Sung JM originally mm -hmm. here. I have him in my final four, and um, I, I think an option like Tommy Fleetwood is very close. Like when this is a different scenario than what I talked about with Scotty Scheffler here, where uh, Sung Jae is the favorite to get out of the group and I'm actually going to advance him to get out of the group just because as you said we're looking at a number that's much more conducive to try to back that there so like if I was to power rank the group it would be Sung Jae 1, Fleetwood 2, McNeely 3, JT Poston 4 I believe that is the exact odds that you read off there but the one difference that I would say is I do think there's a little bit of a separator from Sung Jae to Fleetwood compared to the pricing to where um there's ways to get exposure to him, whether that is to bet him to win his first match and then bet him to win the group or however you want to play it. There's different ways to go about it. I think it's going to be a really interesting one with Fleet or with McNeely and Poston as players who can putt really well. And then Fleetwood yes. coming off of an impressive ball striking week last week. Uh, and he's got some momentum going into this one. I think he's gained at least 
0.3 strokes per round on approach in five straight tournaments. Let's move to group eight, which features Victor Hovland at plus 140 to win the group, Chris Kirk at plus 320 to win the group. He recently won the Honda Classic. And then you've got Siwoo Kim at plus 320. And finally, Matt Kuchar at plus 350. Anything stand out to you about that group? A little bit so. So when I ran my numbers here, this was the number one group of strength. And the reason for that is all four golfers were inside the top 34 of my model. And normally when you get situations like that, I, I think it's a it's a sketchy situation to try to have to maneuver through here because Hovland's likelihood to advance becomes less when every single matchup becomes difficult here. Um, when I made my bracket, I did advance Hovland through. I do think from a betting perspective, the best bet would probably be Siwoo at plus 320. I very much so considered punching Siwoo Kim through to the next round there. Um, it was small enough margins to where like over three to one is a pretty enticing number. But as I said, all of these players look pretty good in my numbers. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if any of them got through, if there's somebody that you like out there that you think is like the prohibitive I don't want to say favorite. I mean, Victor Hovland should be the favorite if you're running numbers, but this is a much closer situation than a lot of people probably think out there. So that one's a close group. I think I know who you're going to pick in the next group. We're going to go to group nine. Colin Morikawa is the favorite at plus 170. He's followed by Jason Day, a two-time winner here, our winner of this event. He won it one time at Austin Country Club. The first time it was here in 2016. Day is second in the group with odds at plus 190. Adam Svensson is third at plus 375. And Victor Perez is fourth at plus 425. What do you think about this one, Spencer? So I'll shock you here a little bit, Roberto, um, on, on a couple levels here. So first mm -hmm. of all, Colin Morikawa was not the number one person in my model of mm -hmm. likelihood to win this. And sure, like the joke is going to be, of course, Jason Day was. Well, Jason Day wasn't either. Jason Day wow. was second. Uh, my numbers absolutely love Svensson's chances. It's super close between the three. There wasn't much separator to be found with them, but I think it's an intriguing price for somebody that's top 10 in my model for weighted tee to green. He has that weighted putting from five to 15 feet that placed him inside the top 10. And then when you added the approach play to the mix, he was third overall. So, I mean, if I'm just purely grabbing a number here, I think the 375 on Svensson makes a lot of sense. Um, I think day is extremely close. It was one of those situations to where like, you're not going to go wrong punching any of those three names through. I'm going to be out on Perez. Like if he beats me, he beats me. That's fine with it. But um, for my bracket and for value, I guess I'm going to go the Svensson route, but I think Morikawa is the one that I'm going to fade in most outlets just because it's too close of a group for somebody that's probably getting too much of the expected win equity from it. And Listeners of the show will know that you punch a nice fat ticket, I believe, on Adam Svensson at the RSM Classic near 150 to 1. So no surprise that you like him again. And when you liked him, he's come through. And I know that 5 to 15 feet range of putting is going to be really key at Austin Country Club. I'm doing PJ Tour Live this week, so I'm not giving out any picks. forgot to mention that earlier. But I did get to play the course on Media Day a few weeks ago. And those greens are far more undulating and I think people understand it's not really a tough course to get the ball into the fairway for the most part. They're pretty generous fairways, I'd say, especially on the front nine. However, the green complexes are tricky. You need to be on the right 
part of the green, the right segments, or else the undulations will whip them around, will whip your ball out of the way. And those five to 15 footers, going to have a lot of them for par this week. And if you have one for birdie, you got to take advantage. We all know how key putting is in match play. And we'll touch on some of the players who have had some success recently in Ryder Cups, President's Cups. And one of those players is Patrick Cantlay. He's been just about invincible playing alongside Xander Shoffley in match play competition. They won the Zurich Classic last year as well in the only match play competition as a team on the PGA Tour. He's in group four. He's the favorite at plus 120 to leave the group as the winner. Brian Harmon, a guy who you liked last week, is at three to one with the second shortest odds. Cage Lee is at four to one, along with Nick Taylor, also at four to one. Any thoughts on this group? So of the 64 players, and I mean, this doesn't mean he can't advance, but of the 64 players, Nick Taylor is the least likely person that I have in my model to advance. So I penciled Nick Taylor out of the mix for that reason. Then you have three really strong choices here. Um, You know, I think Brian Harmon has proven over the years he's a quality match play golfer. K.H. Lee is somebody that I was really intrigued of advancing through my bracket. I highly considered it, and if he pulls it off, I'm not going to be shocked here. I still think the most likely winner is Patrick Cantlay. Um, There's a lot to like about it from a statistical perspective. Like, he's number one in my model from bogey avoidance plus birdie or better percentage he's also number one in the weighted gir for match play that i ran at the end of the day that was a little bit too much for me to remove him from a bracket or from a wager whatever we're talking about here so i don't know if i necessarily would punch a ticket on him at i believe you said plus 120 but i do believe he's the most likely person to win for obvious reasons so like for me it's i would either bet kh lee at four to one or it would be a pass for me so you're not betting about anybody outright, but as we enter group 13, our friend Nick Brettwish, who's normally on the pod, couldn't make it today. He has punched a ticket on Sam Burns, who is plus 190 to win the group. Nick bet him at 42 to one to win the tournament. What are your thoughts on Sam Burns this week? I, you know, Burns is a guy I highly consider doing rollover bets on, and he just didn't end up getting it. So I have him winning this group. Uh, my second choice in this group was Adam Hadwin. I have directly with the way that I built this Sam Burns playing Patrick Cantlay, if all of those things end up working out uh, in that capacity there. Look, he has every chance to beat Patrick Cantlay. And I and I think that this is where, if we look at Max Homa's group, I, I'm going to say the Spieth group is probably a little bit weaker than the other ones there. That might be the weakest group on the left side that I can find. But mm-hmm. uh, if you look at Homa's group, Burns' group, Cantlay's group, those are three of the more likely golfers to actually win this event. And I... Uh, I ended up choosing Homa when we get to that group and that's who I end up rolling it through. But whether it's Burns, Cantley, or Homa, like I kind of lean towards one of those three probably being some of the stronger profiles that you can find for this tournament. So Burns is plus 190 in group 13. Adam Scott's plus 280. Seamus Power plus 300. And Adam Hadwin also plus 300. Anybody else in this group you might be targeting away drawn against one another? I like Hadwin more than than consensus there. Like I would might try to find a wager against him, whether it's against like an Adam Scott, maybe in one of those individual matchups. I wouldn't be shocked if Hadwin ended up sneaking through the group. I don't think it's going to happen. I still think Burns is the best value. And if I was to roll over bet it, it would stem from the, the route through him there. But no, I, I'm a little bit lower than consensus probably on Adam Scott than most people. So he'd be the one I'd be trying to take on. So two more groups on the left side of the bracket. Second last one is group five. Max Homa is the favorite at plus 170. 
Hideki Matsuyama has a second choice odds at plus 225. He's followed by Justin Sa at plus 350. And former winner of this event, Kevin Kisner, a guy who's an absolute pain to play out here at Austin Country Club with the way he rolls the rock into the cup consistently. Any thoughts on this group? I know you love Max Homa. So I'm going to just stem or start with saying this at the beginning here. And I say this almost every single year and I get burned every single year from this. <laughs> if Kevin Kisner wins this group, like I'm not going to promise anything outrageous on this show, but <laughs> I, he's 60th out of 64 players in likelihood to win. I think if you're looking for somebody that can spring an upset out of nowhere, kind of like Justin saw a little bit, I could see his putting really work well here. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he ended up getting through the group and even Hideki's numbers look fine at the end of the day. But uh, the strongest profile I had from top to bottom was Max Homa. So it kind of took more than, you know, like Sud to me was a top 20 sort of match play golfer. And I think if he can consistently make this tournament, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him make a run at some point here. And maybe it starts this week, but I just think Homa's overall skill set will end up winning at the end of the day. And I'm not necessarily buying that this Kisner matchup is as difficult for everybody as the, you know, it's believed out there. I'm very excited just to see those four players battle it out against each other. You got a good group. group. You got good putters. You got great ball strikers. You got big personalities. I think that one's going to be fun. And finally group 12, last group on the left side of the bracket. Spencer, you mentioned that this might be the weakest group overall. Jordan Spieth is the favorite at plus 175. He's followed by Shane Lowry at plus 220. Then Taylor Montgomery at plus 300. And finally, Mackenzie Hughes at plus 475. What are your thoughts on this one? I have a very slight edge for Jordan Spieth to get through if we're just running numbers here. And there's not much of a difference. Um, like I have, like the proper numbers here are almost flat across the board of, of the way that I'm running it. So that price on Spieth um, at plus 175 is just like substantially off from where it needs to be to at least make it bettable. It doesn't mean that he can't get himself through the group. It's just... It's not a good wager at the number that it's at. Um, I would make a very similar argument for Shane Lowry that if Spieth's number is too low, then Lowry's number is probably too low also. I think like if you were to tell me that I need to bet one of them, I would take Taylor Montgomery at three to one. That's who I have winning the group, but it's very small margins between Spieth, Montgomery, and Lowry. I don't necessarily have like massive beliefs that any of them are going to make a massive run after getting through. Like Montgomery has the putter. Spieth has that magical putter that can come out of nowhere with it. Um, You know, Hughes can kind of do the same with it. I, I don't know. To me, I'm going to advance Montgomery, but there's not a massive edge to be found on those top three names. I think this is a course where Taylor Montgomery can really thrive and it'll be fun yeah. to see him play the likes of Jordan Spieth, uh, two guys who can really roll the rock. That could be a really entertaining match. Let's move over to the right side of the bracket. John Rahm is the highest seed on this side. He is plus 115 to win group two. He's followed by Ricky Fowler, who makes his return to Austin at plus 333 to win the group, followed by Kashmir Keith Mitchell, plus 375. And of course, a former winner here, Billy Horschel at plus 400. What do you think about this one? So this is the third toughest group that I have. And this is one of the two I was talking about on the right side of the bracket to where there is difficulty and this is where let's just say hypothetically I'll pick a name here let's say Keith Mitchell springs the upset this is where all of a sudden the bracket opens up and you could just see madness ensue mm-hmm. of what your final four ends up being I ended up going with John Rom uh to advance I think from a betting perspective I would not touch John Rom at plus 115 I think it's way too difficult of a group for that reason if you're telling me to pick a name I would probably say Keith Mitchell at plus 375 
Um, but you know, it's, it's close. Like there's not a massive difference between a lot of these players and, and Horschel has proven historically just with himself that he's an incredible match play golfer. And I, I think that more than anything, it makes Rom's price kind of undoable. I think it's really awesome that the tournament, the match play tournament is sage at this point in the year right now, where you've got just enough time so far in 2023 in the calendar year where guys have already established themselves as Ricky Fowler is making a resurgent run. Keith Mitchell is popping up, elevating this game out of nowhere. John Rom is taking his game to levels that we haven't seen outside of guys named Eldrick in recent form. So a lot of momentum in this group, which should be really fun. And you mentioned it's one of your toughest groups out there. The winner of that group will play the winner of group 15. Cameron Young is the favorite at plus 162. Corey Connors next at plus 240. Sepp Straka comes in third at plus 350. And finally, Davis Thompson, who nearly took down John Rahm at the Amex, is fourth at plus 375. You making a, a pick here from group 15 to go farther if potentially John Rahm gets upset and who might that be? Yeah, so it's going to be Cameron Young for me. Um, you know, we can talk about caddy changes and all of those things. I don't know if that's necessarily what I would have hoped from a news perspective. I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, we know Paul Tesori is an incredible caddy that is going to help Cameron Young win at, at some point, probably very soon. Uh, I hope from a public betting perspective that the public doesn't jump on that. I just think that Cameron Young suits really well for this course that we're asking. So... He has the total driving. He has the long iron proximity. He has the short iron proximity. Kind of all those things that you merge together with it. And that's one of the reasons to why, like, I was more likely to have Rom lose early because the strength of the profile that I had on Cameron Young was so strong. So he will be a rollover candidate for me. He will be a golfer that if he wins this event, it's going to end up equating to a big win. And uh, he's one of, I would say there's probably like three or four players on this right side. And I only have bets on two of them technically to where this could get become a very big rollover, like specifically if Rom is the opponent he takes on in the sweet 16. M young 30 to one on bet three, six, five to win the tournament outright. What would his number have to be for you to try to bet it outright? But if, if you would bet it outright, I know you said you want to roll it over. Like I'm okay with the 30 to one price. I think it's a fair number. I guess it just always goes back to that. You tie up the funds and then you can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I would rather like, there's ways that I could bet Cameron Young to win his first match, remove all the risk from the table, only play with the winnings for the rest of the way through and roll it over. And then I'm free rolling the rest of the tournament. So that's kind of like my strategy is like try to hit the first bet, free roll the rest of the tournament and see how far I can run it up. I do think 30 to one is a fair number, but it's one of those spots to where everybody has the matchups available to them. You can roll over bet this. Like it's not, it's not something that's undoable for everybody out there. It's just, I know some people would rather put in the wager and, and if you would 30 to one is an okay number. And I think it's a, like a tangible enough win equity that you actually might be gaining some value just because I do think the right side could implode. Maybe if you think John Rom's going to get upset, place that 30 to one. But if you don't think he's going to get sure. upset, roll it over. Might yeah, I mean, that's a fair way to look at it. Let's look at group seven. Will Zalatoris is the favorite here, plus 170, followed by Harris English at plus 280. Then Ryan Fox at plus 300. And finally, Andrew Putnam at plus 350. So... I like Andrew Putnam here at plus 350. Oh, okay. And it really comes down to a, a couple of things. It's going to be the putter. Like you have a couple of players here that have fine putting acumen that they bring to the table. Like Harris English has some of that too, but I don't trust Zalatoris. And if I don't trust Zalatoris, then it means that somebody else has to be undervalued here. 
Um, I don't necessarily know what to expect from English on a week-to-week perspective. Ryan Fox is one of those golfers that when you look at these non-Americans that sometimes find success, maybe he has the skill set that can do it. But I like Putnam's skill set for this course. I think this is a ripe spot for him to be able to advance himself through the group. So you're not calling Ryan Fox the next Richard Bland, a.k.a. Dickie B, to be the Cinderella of our March Madness? I don't think it's inconceivable. Like if I was here, like this is the one thing I want to say of the 16 groups, this is the 15th in terms of difficulty. So it's the second weakest one that I have on the board. Anything can happen. It's the same exact answer that came into play with Richard Bland last year. Um, DeChambeau's group with him was the easiest group that could be found when it's the easiest group. Like things can happen. Anybody can advance. Uh, I'm going to go with the Putnam route of it, but I'm going to fade Zalatoris more than anything else. Like if you want to do it with Ryan Fox, that's fine. Might be somewhat comparable, apples and oranges here, of course, but with having a weak team in the NCAA tournament, a team that we might say is overseeded or a team that you just think has weaknesses like an Arizona or uh, a Purdue, where if you think they might have a better chance of losing, pick against them early and you get rewarded with that later on in your bracket. Uh, Let's go to group. 10, Tony Finau, plus 162 to win the group. Recent winner, Kurt Kitayama is plus 260. He's followed by Adrian Moronk at plus 375 and Christian Bezadenout at plus 333. So now actually has the third shortest odds, Moronk the fourth shortest. What do you think there, Spencer, for group 10? I, I like Finau. I always like Finau in match play and he never seems to get through the group, but this is going to be the best opportunity that he's ever had before. Uh, he's another golfer that I wanted to find a way to get more exposure to. I'm probably not going to roll him over just because I had Cameron Young taking him out in the Elite Eight. But it's kind of like the same answer that I gave with Sam Burns a second ago. Finau can win this tournament. And I think that the th- there's ways to get exposure to him if you do want to bet him. Let's go to group three. Rory McIlroy, one of the only, I believe he and Scotty Scheffler, are the only two people who have minus numbers in front of their names to win the group. He is minus 110. Along with him in group three are Keegan Bradley at plus 280, Denny McCarthy at plus 450, and Scott Stallings plus 600. Longest shot to win any group here in the match play. So like, let's look at McCarthy first, and this is not who I have, but McCarthy has the one intangible that nobody else does. He has the putter. Yeah. Like he may be able to spring an upset against a guy like Rory McIlroy, and it just changes the whole complexion of the group. Even if he's not the one that inevitably ends up getting through, I think from a ball striking perspective, I probably trust Keegan Bradley the most over three matches here. Um, you know, Rory's looked a little bit off to me this season. I don't, doesn't mean he can't turn it around, but this is one of those events to where if you are not on, you can be upset by any single player in the tournament on any day with it. And I don't know. I think it's, I think this bottom group, I think like specifically looking at these four bottom groups with Xander, Fitzpatrick's group, Hatton's group, and then Rory's group. This is where the chaos ensues. Because if you don't believe that all of a sudden Rory gets through, then like this could open up and all of a sudden you have a final four participant that comes out of nowhere. So let's talk about that. Next group who will play the winner of that group with Rory Rackamore, that's group three. This is group 14. Tyrell Hatton is plus 125, followed by Russell Henley at three to one. Then Ben Griffin at plus 375 and Lucas Herbert at plus 400. It's the most likely that Hatton gets through here, but I don't think it's as likely as most people think it is out there. And I I gave this answer last year to where I had Henley making a run in my bracket 
and he went 0-3. It was not a good uh, <laughs> performance from him. But the one thing I noted about last year that I'd like to go back to is in match play in his career, he had never lost a match before last season, before the 18th hole. So he had always gotten to the 18th hole. Mm. He didn't have a good match play record. That to me is one of those golfers to where at some point it's going to work. He's a very streaky golfer. Um, that becomes difficult to get through three matches. But if he can catch fire, I do think he's a sneaky person that can make a bit of a run here. And if it means that I can fade the public with Hatton here and try to go a different route, Henley's a unique uh, prospect to go with. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, I know that somewhere Nick Bretwish is smiling with you talking up Russell Henley. Let's move to group six. Xander Shoffley is the favorite at plus 130, followed by Tom Hoagie at plus 280. Then Aaron Wise at four to one. And finally, Cameron Davis at plus 425. What do you think about group six? So this group reminds me exactly of what we saw last year with Corey Connors' group. Very difficult group. This is the second most difficult group that I have. Because it is so challenging, it's kind of the same thing that I'm talking about with Hovland, even though I did pick Hovland to technically go through. Upsets can happen. And the person who can get through this group can all of a sudden make a real run at this. And there's a lot of intangibles that Tom Hoagie's bringing to the table. Number one in my model in weighted par three scoring. Number one in my model at expected approach plus expected putting. So that's players that are going to put it close and or close, close enough and make the putt. Uh, he is top five in my model and weighted GIR for match play. He's top five in my model for just weighted T to green in general. It's a lot to like about him. And I kind of think that if he can get through this group, this is where he can make a final four run, a final run, maybe even win the event. He's going to be the one player that if he does make a run at this tournament, I'm going to win a lot of money with it. Uh, it's just, can he get out of the group? And that's the question mark because it is a very challenging group. He gained over 2.4 strokes per round on approach in his last tournament. That was the players where he finished in a tie for third. The approach numbers have really been impressive for Tom Hoagie this year. We'll see if he can keep it rolling. Finally, the last group, group 11, Matt Fitzpatrick is the favorite at plus 187, then Sahith Tigala at plus 240. He's followed by Min Woo Lee at plus 280. And finally, JJ Spawn is plus 375. Who do you think comes out of group 11? This is like, I mean, if you want to say like Tagala, Min Woo Lee, sure. This is a spot I'm going to fade Matthew Fitzpatrick in. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to do it with JJ Spawn. I, I like that price that you can get on him and... I, I could see him winning this group and, you know, maybe putting himself in a position to face Hoagie, which might not be the greatest matchup, but you never know what could happen with it. And all of a sudden he could make more of a run out of this. So I'm going to try to take Fitzpatrick on. And it's kind of like the general sentiment that I'm taking on, on these bottom four groups to begin with. Like 
let me find a way to take Xander on. Let me find a way to take Fitzpatrick on. Let me find a way to take Hatton on. Let me find a way to take Rory on. And all of a sudden, you know, let's see who can get out of it. And if that means like a Henley or a Hoagie or one of these guys can make a run, the rollover really starts adding up at that point. The last time JJ Spawn made a start on the PJ Tour in Texas, he won the Valero Texas Open 51 weeks ago. So maybe he'll keep that Texas momentum rolling. Spencer, any final thoughts on the match play before we circle back to Taylor Moore very briefly? No, I mean, it's a fun tournament. Like, obviously, gamble within your means here. There's a there's more volatility. If you think March Madness for basketball is volatile, this <laughs> is more volatile than that. Like, it's going to probably, if you have 16 groups here and you say, like, the top person from the group gets through, it's probably going to happen, I don't know, six, seven, eight times the other you know, eight plus times, it's not going to occur. So it's a lot of upsets going to happen here. And you kind of get these crazy final fours that come out of nowhere. And it's just, can you find the one or two positions to put yourself in an advantageous spot? So as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 free. Spencer, we had a slower start to the year from an outright perspective so far this calendar year with a lot of favorites winning with John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler being dominant, but we finally cashed an outright ticket last week. We both had Taylor Moore gave him out at 70 to one last week on this show. What are your takeaways from last week and congrats on the victory with Taylor Moore? Yeah, congrats to you also on that. It's a you know, I think it's what we always talk about. It's a long road that doesn't turn in sports betting. And you kind of just have to stick to the script and stick to the numbers and run things the way that you're running them and don't veer off. Like bankroll management is the key thing there. And mm -hmm. it's the slowest start of the year that I've had. Like I've been in the space for five years. I've been betting golf for much longer than that. But in the five years that I've been in the space giving out plays, it's the worst start of the year I've ever had. And all of a sudden it's like, I hit Taylor Moore for the outright. I hit Taylor Moore 16 to one at the top to come top five. I hit Taylor Moore seven and a half, the one that comes top 10. I had the top 20 price on him. All of a sudden that was like 11, 12 units that I added to my bankroll. All of a sudden now I'm up seven, eight units on the year. And it just all of a sudden becomes that to get catch fire and see things really start moving in a positive direction. So hopefully we can continue that here with the limited exposure I will have. And one thing we talked about last week was how looking back at some past champions at the Valspar, looked at some of their profiles heading into that tournament and we said that his profile, Taylor Moore's, very closely resembled that of Adam Hadwin before he won in 2017. We said he'd been solid across the board as far as strokes gain metrics, putting around the green on approach and off the tee, but he just hadn't quite put it together. And the last two times he put it together, he had top six finishes at the end of the tour season last year. He finally didn't lose any strokes gained in any of those four key metrics, and he wins the golf tournament. So you have to get lucky with betting outrights and yeah. certainly helps when other players hit the ball right next to a tree and are stymied on the 72nd hole. For sure. But I think we were due for some luck and I'm happy we both were on it. And I know you were playing that with some conviction. Like you said, you had the escalator with the top 10, the top five. I only had a top 10 along with it as well, but I think we'll both take that any day of the week. 100%. Spencer, any final thoughts before you head out of here? Where Actually, where can uh, the people find the rest of your work this week? I know it's a, a weird schedule with the tournament starting on a Wednesday. Yeah, so you can find me at Tee Off Sports on Twitter. I'll have my model over at Roto Baller. 
Uh, you can find all the written con or most of the written content I have there. And I will have an action network article tomorrow that will go through some of these plays that we talked about and see if we can find any round one matchups. Awesome. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Uh, the markets literally updated the group, uh, the group odds as we were doing this podcast here on a Monday night. So Spencer will have more up-to-date picks for you tomorrow. You can check that out through his Twitter or on the action network app. You can find me on streams two and three for PJ tour live this week. That'll be the marquee group, the feature groups, and then also the 13th hole 13th hole. If you're not familiar with Austin country club, normally plays as the fourth hole for the members, but they switched to nines for the tournament. And it is a drivable par four going around a body of water to the left. And players can drive the ball onto the green with a driver or a three wood. A lot of times they just blow it over the green into the grandstand because they get the temporary immovable uh, object relief. So it'll be a fascinating hole where the tournament could be won and lost a lot of height stakes. And it's an interesting shot. I put the ball on the green and three putted when I played the Taurus a couple of weeks ago, which was fun until it wasn't, but we should have a lot of excitement at Austin country club, especially with the front nine playing like a hill country course in Texas, and then going to the back nine where it's more of a link style on the water. Spencer, I know you've got to go. Thanks for hopping on with me this week on short notice with it being a Monday and hopefully you can cash one of your players to roll over and win outright for a second consecutive week. That's the hope here. So thanks to everyone for tuning in to the Links and Locks podcast. For more great golf content from our Action Network and Golf Bet team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring our own Jason Sobel and the PGA Tour's Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top plays for this week's tournament. You can find us on Twitter. Spencer is at Tee Sports and I'm at Roberto A213. Thanks again to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt. Thanks for tuning in to the Links and Locks podcast, and we're here to hoping you hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.